I love it when small children go through the why phase, don't you? You know when they start to ask that question, why? To everything that you say, it's always why? Oh my goodness. I love it when your children do it more than when mine did it. But uh, I remember by the time I got to the fourth one, I was just out of gas, you know? I mean, I couldn't answer those questions that they kept coming in rapid fire. Daddy, why are you putting on your boots? I'm going to go out and mow the grass. Why? Because it's tall or long or needs cut. Why? Well, because it grows. Why? Well, because there's this process called photosynthesis. I wanted to educate them. And, uh, you know, the, the, the plants take the energy from the sun. It makes the grass grow. and It grows real tall. Why? Well, because that's the way God designed them to do. That's what they're supposed to do. Why? Because he's smarter than us. Why? Doesn't your mother... I hear your mother calling. I'm sure that's her out there. By the time they you know, get beyond the preschool age, they, the questions, um, they change a little bit. It's not why, it's, it's when, right? When? When is supper going to be ready? I don't know. Um, when is grandma coming uh, soon? Uh, when, when, when? When can I drive your car a long time from now? You know? uh, when will you stop treating me like a child? When you stop asking me so many questions, I think. I don't know. But you kind of get to the end of that, don't you? It's a good sign, though, isn't it? When they ask questions, I mean, it means that little minds are, are developing and, and there's creative thinking and, and there's critical thinking going on and, and they're, 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 they're growing up, they're, they're, they're developing as they should be. But you know, little children lack something that adults have, it, it's skepticism and cynicism. You know, when you tell them something, they believe it's true. They, they just believe it's true. Daddy, why is the moon yellow? Because it's made out of cheese. <laughs> why? Well, because God had lots of cows. Well, why is the sun orange? You know, they just move right on, right? They just, they, they just go from one thing to the next. They believe. They do not doubt the veracity of your claims. They don't. A, a man in a red suit is going to go around the entire world in a night and deliver toys to all good little girls and boys. I mean, they believe that's true. Because it is, right? And they, they, um, they believe that, that a big giant bunny brings eggs and candy at Easter time. They, they believe that reindeer can fly. I mean, they, you tell it to them and they believe it's true. They might ask why. But they don't doubt for a moment that what you're saying must be absolute because they trust you. They believe you. We grow out of that, though. We, 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 we kind of... Lose that along the way. And poor old Zechariah, we, we read his song, his canticle this morning as our psalm. Zechariah, he's grown out of that. In fact, by the time uh, we meet Zechariah, he's a very old man. One day he has a job, he's a priest in the temple. His job is to go into this, this sacred space, this space in the front of the temple. Imagine if this building was a temple, much larger, obviously, but there would be there would be a wall that goes right across here, around the front, right here, and and then only the priest could come into this room, and then inside the front room, there's another little smaller room with another wall and another door, and no one goes into that door except the priest, and then only once a year. And so Zechariah goes in, and he goes into this holy place, and he's in there working. <laughs> 
And an angel shows up. It's in chapter 1, earlier in, the, in, the, in Luke's gospel. Read it. He, he's in there doing his job. He's working. He's all by himself. And an angel shows up, the angel Gabriel. Gabriel says to this old man, Zechariah, who has no children. He and his wife, Elizabeth, have married many years and have no children. And the angel shows up and says, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. Now, first of all, I don't know about you, but if I'm there working by myself and an angel shows up and he says, Joe, you're going to have a child, I might first say, really? But then I would say, yes, sir. You know, I mean, yes, sir. That's exactly right. But not so with Zechariah. You know the story, do you? I mean, he says, um, you know, how shall I know this is the way the, uh, the ESV, my version, translates it. Another, another translation has, how shall I know this for certain? You see, Mr. Gabriel, perhaps you haven't noticed, I'm a rather old man. My wife Elizabeth, no spring chicken over there either, you know. We're going to have a child. How will I know this? There's this old saying that people from Texas say, don't mess with Texas. You heard that one right there? Don't mess with Texas. We're tough. I think the angels would have a, you think Texas is tough? Don't mess with an angel, right? I work for God. Perhaps you don't know that. Don't, you want a sign? Here's a sign. You won't be able to speak until the child's born. You know, (laughs) he's all clammed up. I want to make a joke here. I'm not going to. I'm resisting that urge, you know, that, that perhaps he would have wished it upon someone else. But he didn't. It happened to him. He, um, he's not able to speak. He's not able to say a word. And for nine months, he's not able to say a word. Have you ever had laryngitis? Um, well, you couldn't talk. You, you know, and you just are frustrated because it went on for a week, maybe? Imagine not being able to say a word for nine months. You know, he pointing at things, you know, not that, that, you know, but he can't say it, so he's frustrated, scratching things out. I want coffee, you know, he scratches on a, on a piece of paper. I think he was left-handed too, like me. I want coffee, you know, and, and he's, he's trying to make his wants and wishes known for the better part of a year, not able to say a word. He's really frustrated. And, and, then, and then Elizabeth has this baby. His wife has this baby. And the first thing that comes out of old Zachariah's parched, dry mouth that hasn't spoken a word in almost a year is a song. I mean, you know how when you wake up in the morning and your voice kind of cracks? I always wonder if, it, if, if, if the song of Zachariah was kind of crackly, you know, when he first sang it. When he first blurts out these words, was it, what did it sound like? But more than that, it's what he says. Any child would appreciate this song because he answers questions. He answers the what's and the why's. It begins with joyful praise, doesn't it? Blessed be the God of Israel. Blessed be Adonai, the God of Israel. Yahweh, the God of Israel. He's he's specific. Blessed be the God of Israel. Because he's done a great thing. Now, Now, I want you to know, in Zechariah's life in particular, this is a really great thing. He has a child. And he would have dreamt about this for his whole life. He and Elizabeth would have wanted a child. I mean, they would have been well, just like us. They would have, but they would have been more than that. In Israel, it would have been really important to, to, to have this sort of family heritage. And so he finally has a child, which is really a great thing for him. But it's more than that. 
He knows that it's more than just a personal thing. It's more than God just having pity on him and relieving his own personal agony. God is doing something big for Israel. God is stepping in and doing something big for his people. And so it's more than just a little personal relief. It's a national religious relief. But I notice that Zechariah doesn't sing about what I would sing about. You know, if I had been him, you know, I would take this kid out and like hold him up and say, this kid will be a quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, I mean, he will be great. I would would be out there, look, friends and neighbors, you thought I was uh, old and and I was never going to have a child, but look right here, you know, look at this kid. And I would have shown him to them, you know, like you would have done. This boy right here. He's got, he's got future. He's got promise, this boy. Did, did you see the Heisman um, ceremony last night? And this young man, Johnny Manziel, first freshman ever to win the Heisman Trophy. And he gets up and he gives this great speech. Fantastic. You know, check it out later if you can. Uh, where he talks about, you know, his parents and his grandparents and his coaches. And, and it's just, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, speech that he gave. And you see his mom and dad sitting right there in the front of this little downtown athletic club. And, you know, just fighting back tears, you know, looking at this boy and, and saying, oh, yeah, you know. Well, just so proud of him, so thrilled for him. Zechariah would have had that for sure, but there's more than that. He knows it's more than about what God is doing for him personally and his family. God is doing something big for Israel. God is doing something big for the world in the birth of this little boy. And in fact, the whole thing, this whole promise and birth and the special nature of this child is about what God is doing in the world. That God is acting On behalf of the world, God is taking the initiative. A lot of things you might miss. Don't miss this. Whatever Christianity is about, it is about this much. That God takes initiative on our behalf. God does for us what we cannot or will not do for ourselves. He steps in. He makes something happen. This is what distinguishes Christianity, Judaic Christianity, from all the rest of the religions of the world. In all the other religions, it's about how humans kind of try to reach up to the gods or to a god. In all other religions, it might be about humans trying to find their own human potential. But not so with us. It's about what God does for us. That's what grace is, that God acts on our behalf. And so the little child says, but why? But why does God, tell me why? That we might be saved from our enemies. That he might show mercy to us. And listen to this. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Removing all the little subordinate clauses that we might serve him in holiness and righteousness all our days. Why did God act on our behalf? That we might be able to worship him in holiness and righteousness forever. We can't do it on our own. And listen to me. Any Jew who would have heard Zechariah singing this song would have heard an echo from Exodus chapter 7. The Lord's, you remember this story. Um, Maybe you remember Charlton Heston, but hopefully you remember in the Bible that, that Moses goes to Pharaoh, right? God says to Moses, hey, you, go to Pharaoh, and here's what you say. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to him in the morning. 
And you see, he's going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile. When you meet him, take the staff in your hand that turned into a serpent and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me, saying, Let my people go, that they might serve me. Let my people go, that they might serve me. Hear this echo in Zechariah's song. God has acted on behalf of his people in order that they might serve him. How? In holiness and righteousness. This is also an echo in Joshua. In the 24th chapter of Joshua, God says, I gave you a land on which you have not labored and cities which you have not built. I've given you all this stuff. Why? Therefore, that you might serve me in sincerity and faithfulness. What Zechariah is saying in, in our lives is that God has done something to set us free from the bondage that we've been in. He's acted on our behalf because we couldn't set ourselves free. And coming in this little boy, there's this promise of what God has done. But listen to me, also what God will do. In the first half of the psalm, it's all about what God has done. In the second half of the, of the, the canticle, rather, it's all about what God will do. Verse 76, And child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways. Do you hear the future tense? You will, you will, you will. But why? Why? So that you could give knowledge of salvation, to give light to those who are in darkness, to guide our feet into the ways of peace. This little baby, John the Baptist, he's just little John when he's born, right? Just this little baby in swaddling clothes, his dad's holding him up and saying, this, this kid right here is a sign of what God is doing in the world. And we kind of rush ahead. We sort of think of John the Baptist maybe as this wild-eyed prophet who wore camel's hair, ate kind of rugged meal of locust and wild honey, and he preaches these really fiery sermons about repentance and God coming and judgment and all this sort of stuff, and we're like, oh, he's a bit scary, you know, I don't know about this guy. But that's not what Zechariah sees in him. Zechariah sees God delivering us. Not what he sees. He doesn't see this sort of act of judgment. He sees this act of mercy. He sees, he sees a sign of God's grace. When Zechariah saw his little baby boy born in his old age, in his wife's old age, you know what Zechariah realized? He realized that God cares about people. And God acts on behalf of us long before we can do anything for ourselves, God reaches out to us. And that's very, very good news. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.